daily news and analysis. We keep you informed and inspired. This is World Today. Hello and welcome to World Today. I'm Ding Han in Beijing. Coming up, China's foreign minister calls for peace in phone conversations with Israeli and Palestinian counterparts. China says it maintains "quote unquote" extreme patience with the Philippines over disputed waters, and we are going to take a look at a state visit to China by Colombia's president. Wall Street brokerages have raised their China 2023 economic growth forecast. So, if you want to listen to this episode again, or to catch up on our previous episodes, download our podcast by searching "World Today." Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi has called for taking steps to prevent further escalation in the Israel-Hamas war and establish a lasting peace. The senior Chinese diplomat made the remark in a phone call with Israeli counterpart Ali Cohen. Wang Yi said China is deeply saddened by the large number of civilian casualties caused by the conflict. In the meantime, he has acknowledged that every country has a right to self-defense. But they should abide by international humanitarian law and protect the safety of civilians. And in a separate phone call with Palestinian Foreign Minister Riyad Al Maliki, Wang Yi voiced sympathy for the civilians killed in Gaza, reiterating that there is an urgent need to stop this war. So joining us now on the line is Professor Zhu Feng, Dean of the School of International Studies with Nanjing University. Thank you very much for joining us, Professor. Thank you for inviting me. So, first of all, what do you make of、um, Foreign Minister Wang Yi's comment that every country has a right to self-defense, but really they should abide by international humanitarian law and protect the civilians' safety? What kind of message do you think China is trying to send to Israel here? Yeah, I think、uh, the message is very clear-cut. It's also the first time since the outbreak of the Hamas, you know, very、uh, reckless, you know, attack to uh, Israeli uh, people and the troops.、Um, I think the、uh, ambassador,、uh, uh, foreign minister Wang Yi's, you know, the message, of course, is very, very、uh, positive because it's a first, for the first time China、uh, acknowledged that Israeli has the. You know the legitimate rights of the self-defense. It's also some sort of、uh, China's、uh, very deliciously, you know,、uh, and a delicately balanced, you know, approach. Because we also see, for example,、uh, the Hamas, no matter、uh, motivated their you know military attack,、uh, mm-hmm. their you know some sort of such a kidnapping the Israeli civilian people and killing the Israeli military person. It's also a very, very、uh, unhumanitarian, you know, the、uh, war crime. On the other hand, we will see Hamas, you know,、uh, attacking Israeli. Of course, it's long, you know, the motivated and a long, you know, plan. It's、uh, some sort of、uh, uh, terrorist attack, like some sort of such a、uh, offense. So then, from this point, I think the、uh, uh, Foreign Minister Wang is acknowledging of. Like Israel's self-defense,、uh, you know the,、uh, the legitimacy, and the,、uh, it's also、um, showcasing the China's, you know,、mm-hmm. the, the 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 further clarity of the, some sort of advanced、uh, uh, nature in the Middle East right now. But on the other hand, I think the Mr. Foreign Minister Wang Yi's point is very、uh, delicately balanced. He also warm. The Israeli foreign minister, his、uh, Israeli compound,、mm. uh, any、uh, self-defense also should take care of the, you know, the humanitarian concerns.、Mm. It, it's totally useless、uh, causing some sort of the civilian people death or some sort of、uh, disasters. So then, I think the foreign minister Wang Yi's message so far is very clear-cut and also、uh, well balanced. 
So、uh, in his talk with his Israeli counterpart, Wang Yi also stressed that the painful lesson of the repeated violent cycle of this particular Palestinian-Israeli conflict have fully demonstrated that only adhering to the concept of common security can there be sustainable security, and only adhering to the direction of political solution can there be a thorough. Resolution of Israel's legitimate security concern. So, do you think、uh, this idea of common security and a political settlement are the solution to this conflict over the long term? Yes, I think、uh, following Mr. Wang's point is very you know, relevant to the some sort of a lingering conflict between the Palestine, Palestinian and the Israeli. We also see such a conflict. Just、uh, lingered for 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 seven decades. So then, Beijing's position very clear cut. We are truly opposed to some sort of endless military、uh, conflict. You know, the trap that both、uh, people still you know in、uh, a stuck in. So the most important is a way out. It's not just the hostile offense and the counter offense, attack and counter attack. Most important solution is political, you know, negotiation and also seeking some sort of long-term, comprehensive settlements. So from this point, I think the Foreign Minister Wang is calling is also a big, you know, the、uh, transferring、uh, of the China's message.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can do what you want,、uh, but it should be according to the international norm. But on the other hand. The China's warning is also very、uh, clear. So I think the, the, the military、uh, retaliation is just a temporary,、mm. and it will not just uh, bring uh, some sort of a、uh, sustainable and a long-term, you know, solution and settlement to the Middle East. Mm. So, reiterating China's support for a two-state solution,、uh, Mr. Wang Yi has called for greater international cooperation to put an end to this ongoing crisis. But on the other hand, Professor Zhu, why do you think so far、uh, the UN Security Council has been unable to secure a, a a you know a consensus or support for a ceasefire resolution? This question、uh, is very interesting. While the UN Security Council has not so far just adopted any, you know, the,、uh, resolution, reason is very, very simple. So the US, along with the,、uh, you know, European powers, truly opposed to some sort of such a UN policy restriction to the Israeli for the moment, because they consider after the Hamas, you know. Um, expected, unexpected, kind of attack. So Israel should do whatever it could to、um, defeat the Hamas's, you know, organized、uh, militia. So then, from this point, they put the emphasis on the Israel's, you know, the action capability and some sort of bring down the Hamas. But the majority of international community, of course. Always just trying to see some sort of long-term, well-balanced, and the real, you know, sustainable, you know, the、uh, settlement of the ongoing conflict. So two-nation、uh, solution is not just adopted by the United Nations resolution previously, but it's also some sort of a common consensus. The international community is very strongly endorsing.、Mm-hmm. So for for that. From this point, I really hope the China's phone call by the Foreign Minister Wang Yi could be a very timely, you know,、uh, some sort of we say the call to the Israeli Foreign Minister. So then, yes, you can do something to、uh, roll back the Hamas military、uh, threat. But on the other hand, if the Israelis are trying to、uh, peacefully. And also sustainably, just maintain its stability, sovereignty, and security. The most important exit strategy should be、uh, recognizable by international community. That means let's get back to two-nation settlement 
and the reinitiating the political solution and the political negotiation. Mm. That's also some sort of a very promising uh, past that Israeli couldn't just have say keep itself stay away from. Yeah. So Wang Yi also says that China does not pursue any self-interests on this um, Palestinian issue, and China sincerely hopes that this issue can be, you know, reasonably and fairly resolved, taking into the consideration of all parties. Um, in the meantime, we have noticed that some people have published, say, articles or comments in media suggesting that China, together with Russia, maybe the only winner of the Gaza war, maybe the only beneficiary, because they say the U.S. will be negatively affected. How would you look at such comment or such rhetoric? I think that such comments and the rhetoric are truly groundless and misleading. I think, as you mentioned, Foreign Minister Wang Yi makes very clear So China has no private or selfish interest in any settlement in the Middle East. So we are not just a, a peace lover. We also have a, a very strong, you know, the uh, enthusiasm promoting the long-term sustainable settlements of the Middle East conflict. It's also not serves the China's interest, but also serves the interest of the world's community. So from this point, China really has uh, no some sort of personal calculation on how the situation could be made a uh, use of. I think the better idea just to mention that China uh, wants to uh, strongly behind the uh, Russia and use the Hamas's attack to the Israeli as a very uh, funny, uh, let's say, diversion tactic from the ongoing uh, Ukraine war. To be honest. Yeah. yeah. So some people say, realistically speaking, uh, the Gaza crisis has now become a major test of China's Middle East peace diplomacy. What is your thought about this, briefly? Yeah, I think, uh, of course, China's uh, stance of the Middle East is always very, very uh, uniform and, and persistent. So we're always standing on the side of justice and international peace. So that's why we are very sympathetic to the Palestinian people's, you know, sufferings and the miserable, you know, the, 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 the treatment by very aggressive Israeli troops. From this point, so then we are also opposed to the Israelis, you know, any military retaliation at the cost of the civilian people's lives. So from this point, I, I, I have to say, yeah, China's uh, strong uh, you know, voice to ask all sides to just uh, sitting down and make restraints as they can is really a very important indicator, indication of the China's some sort of such a uh, peaceful, you know, the diplomacy uh, advocate in the Middle East. Hmm. Thank you very much for joining us as always. That was Professor Zhu Feng, Dean of the School of International Studies with Nanjing University. You are listening to World Today. Stay tuned. Hello, my name is Alessandro Golombievski Teixeira. I'm a professor of public policy management at Tsinghua University in Beijing. I am a great listener of the world today. In my opinion, the world today is one of the best China radio programs. In the world today, we can get the best news and analysis in what is happening now in the world. So please, come to join us. You are listening to World Today. I'm Ding Han in Beijing. Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi will travel to the United States later this week to meet with his U.S. counterpart Anthony Blinken and President Joe Biden's National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan. Blinken paid a visit to Beijing in June this year, and following his visit, other U.S. politicians have also traveled to China. California Governor Gavin Newsom is currently in China for a week-long trip. So joining us now on the line is Dr. Joseph Mahoney, Professor of uh, Political Science and International Relations with East China Normal University. Welcome back. Thank you. So in your observation, 
Why will the Chinese foreign minister travel to the United States this week? Well, first, there are indications of the possibility of increased cooperation on some matters of global economic and financial concern.、Uh, but what this、uh, may be precisely is still rather unclear. Now, I don't、uh, mean to suggest a breakthrough here regarding the U.S. trade war. Or a growing list of financial and, and technology-related restrictions, but、uh, there is some optimism.、Uh, second, on the face of it, it it's good to have parity.、Uh, many high-level officials have traveled、uh, to Beijing, and it's good to have some、uh, travel、uh, to Washington to demonstrate that this is a two-way and not a one-way street. And third, you know, there are many crises around the world today、uh, related to Ukraine, Israel, climate change, and so on. That require、uh, greater mutual understanding, if not co-、uh, coordination,、uh, between the world's two major powers.、Uh, and fourth, finally, you know, we may well see a meeting、uh, between President Xi and Biden at APEC in a couple of months. And if so,、uh, the groundwork needs to be laid as soon as possible.、Mm. So, like you、uh, mentioned,、uh, because、um, senior Biden administration officials reportedly said to media that、uh, the, the meetings of Wang Yi. Are likely to cover the Israel-Hamas conflict. Actually, Mr. Wang Yi and Mr. Blinken have already held a phone conversation over this、uh, over this particular crisis. So,、um, do you see more divergence or more areas of alignment between the U.S. and China on this particular issue? Well, as is the case with Ukraine,、uh, the Chinese position is one of neutrality.、Uh, China has warm relations with both the Israeli. And Palestinian people,、uh, Beijing understands this current conflict is part of a much longer-running struggle, and that only through peaceful diplomacy can it be resolved. And clearly,、uh, periodic war-making for the past 75 years hasn't worked.、Uh, unfortunately,、uh, as with Ukraine, Washington is very much engaged with one side against the other, and this is uh, bolstering uh, Israeli advances against uh, Gaza uh, with uh, significant civilian losses,、uh, which Beijing would rather not see. Uh, China also doesn't want to see U.S. politicians exploiting Chinese neutrality to undermine Chinese relations with Israel or to press、uh, Israel into America's tech war against China. You know, in fact, China has growing、uh, positive relations with many Islamic countries as well, including some that have curtailed、uh, relations with Tel Aviv over this growing conflict. And no doubt, they would like to see China stand more on the side of the Palestinians.、Uh, but nevertheless, neutrality is the right position to take here. Even if it makes、uh, some people unhappy,、mm. and it is also reported that the meetings of Wang Yi will also likely cover the Ukraine war and the say、uh, the the so-called tension over there in the South China Sea. On these two issues, Professor, do you expect Beijing and Washington to reach consensus? Well, first, I haven't been optimistic about China-U.S.、Uh, ties since the Alaska meetings took、uh, place shortly after Biden took office, and I won't be optimistic until we see real results、uh, reversing the very negative trend towards a new Cold War that Washington has accelerated in the past several years.、Uh, second, I think ending、uh, the conflict and rebuilding Ukraine can only be accomplished with Chinese leadership and support. I think、uh, Beijing, Moscow, Kiev, and Washington understand this,、um, and while the U.S. has achieved Uh, many of its key strategic interests in Ukraine,、uh, given its proxy war there、uh, with Russia, and while Biden would like to find an exit and declare victory to support his reelection efforts, I don't think he wants China in the picture, and this is a problem、uh, for everyone.、Uh, third, it seems clear that the U.S. is not interested、uh, for the moment in the Taiwan issue spiraling out of control, but the U.S. is still stacking military resources in the region. So I don't know if the Taiwan issue is simply something Beijing wants to talk about、uh, pro forma. Or whether the U.S. has something new to add to the discussion, most likely、uh, the former.、Mm. So Janet Yellen is actually one of the American, you know, senior American officials that have、uh, traveled to、uh, to China、uh, this year and and last month.、Uh, the U.S. Treasury Secretary reached a consensus with the Chinese side. Uh, to establish a a particular China-U.S. economic working group, and this group has just held its first meeting via you know virtually actually via video link. According to China, the two sides 
have had some very healthy and constructive discussion on macroeconomic policies, bilateral economic ties, as well as potential cooperation、uh, in terms of addressing some of the global challenges. So, Professor, in your observation, what kind of、um, specific Economic issues or economic policies? Do you think、uh, the two sides need to talk about right now? Well, you know, I, I alluded to this、uh, discussion and the answer to the to the first or second question when I said、mm. they were talking about maybe looking for some ways to cooperate on some financial or, or, or global financial or, or, or bilateral、uh, economic issues. But this is still unclear. Obviously, if we could see a reversal of the trade war and a softening of the tech war. Uh, these would be major steps forward, but that seems unlikely uh, given uh, uh, the U.S. position and, and above all the election year.、Uh, but I think、uh, most dramatically,、uh, you know, I think both sides、uh, need to uh, understand uh, and share with each other the, the simple fact that both can do a lot of damage to each other's economy, and and neither side can afford this presently.、Uh, China could take a costly but aggressive economic position vis-a-vis -vis the U.S. And possibly tank、uh, the American economy,、uh, thereby severely undercutting、uh, Biden's re-election chances.、Um, and you know,、uh, we, we, we've seen obviously the, the, the ability of the U.S. To, to, to harm Chinese economic interests. So they need to speak with each other to make sure they don't end up chasing each other、uh, to the bottom.、Uh, second,、uh, Washington's Cold War efforts have outpaced American abilities to reshore key industries. Uh, and establish、uh, alternative supply chains, and thus, for the moment, the U.S. is still deeply tied、uh, to the U.S.、Uh, to the Chinese economy, and trying,、uh, therefore, I think, to take、uh, more incremental steps towards uh, decoupling uh, through uh, de-risking. Now, while、uh, these new meetings and others may signal a softening in rhetoric and perhaps some cooperation in areas of mutual interest,、uh, I believe the broader trend towards a Cold War is still underway. And by some accounts,、uh, already here. Nevertheless,、uh, at the same time, and I think this underscores uh, uh, California Governor uh, Gavin Newsom's in,、uh, uh, yeah. meeting、uh, meetings here in China,、uh, that、um, you know there are many U.S. commercial interests、um, with deep China ties、uh, who would like to preserve relations as long as possible, and uh, uh, they are pressuring、uh, officials at the state level, but certainly at the federal level. Uh, to find a new stable uh, uh, normal in, in terms of、uh, relations,、uh, I think that, that、uh, however, that few are fantasizing about a return to the good old days of, of, of the past, and they're just looking、uh, to to try to hold on to what they have and not lose more.、Mm. So over the course of this year, we have seen a, a narrative being built. Which suggests that the Biden administration is actually、uh, very active or very keen to stabilize the ties with China, but Beijing has been lukewarm in moving in the same direction. What is your thought in this regard, or about this narrative, Professor? You know, I, I recently had、uh, the lead editorial in, in、uh, South China Morning Post in, in Hong Kong on this issue.、Uh, my position is that the U.S. has not been sincere about improving ties, but has steadily uh, advanced uh, a Cold War paradigm and simply、uh, tried to manage this advance. In other words,、uh, to keep it from spiraling out of control.、Um, I believe that、uh, Biden's objective is to stabilize and even normalize. Uh, a new Cold War.、Uh, nevertheless, as as you note, uh, uh, some uh, uh, in the U.S.、Uh, have said、uh, that you know, given the high-level meetings this year,、uh, that the U.S.、Uh, extended its hand and China wasn't interested, and that this uh, therefore uh, justifies the U.S. moving towards a, a Cold War. And some have even、uh, argued that a Cold War would be a positive development,、uh, that it could help stabilize ties and prevent a hot war. Now, I think this is both nonsense and, and dangerous.、Uh, the U.S.、Uh, has been and remains the, the primary aggressor,、uh, while China's reactions have been、uh, defensive. Now,、uh, if these、uh, meetings, if, if、uh, Minister Wang Yi going to, to, to uh, uh, Washington, or, or the, the California governor coming to,、uh, coming to China, or if、uh, President Xi and Biden meet at APEC,、uh, if these mid,、uh, meetings uh, signal uh, developments to the contrary. Uh, then I'll be、uh, the first、uh, to cheer them.、Mm. Thank you very much, as always, for joining us. That was Dr. Joseph Mahoney, professor of political science and international relations with East China Normal University. More to come. China says it maintains "quote unquote" extreme patience with the Philippines over disputed waters. 
You are listening to World Today, and for more, you can follow us on X at CDGN Radio. I'm Ding Han in Beijing. We'll be back after a short break. You are listening to World Today. I'm Ding Han in Beijing. China says Beijing has maintained extreme restraints and patience on the Renai Jiao issue, calling on the Philippine side to tone away an illegally grounded warship. The Monday statement by the Chinese Foreign Ministry came after the Philippines accused China of carrying out provocative actions following two collisions in the disputed water in the South China Sea. Foreign Ministry spokesperson Mao Ning has also criticized a U.S. statement on the latest collisions for going against the spirit of international law, including the United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea. So, joining us now on the line is Dr. Rong Ying, Vice President and a Senior Research Fellow with the China Institute of International Studies. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So let's begin our conversation today by talking about this most recent、uh, incident、uh, on the part of Manila. The Philippines claims that two of its boats were bumped by Chinese vessels. However, the China Coast Guard says there was a quote-unquote slight collision. While it was lawfully blocking the boat from transporting some illegal construction materials to this particular, you know, illegally grounded warship over there. So, what is your reading, Doctor Rong? Well, I think we have seen that、uh, in recent、uh, months,、uh, the uh, incidents. Uh, I mean, the rising tension arising from that, and certainly, I think the. Recent incident of a so-called collision、uh, was the one of development like that. It's obvious, I think, uh, uh, this is、uh, an incident created, provoked by Philippines' intention, intentional, no sort of efforts to create、uh, problems, to create news, so that it would be able to win a so-called. Sort of a sympathy from the international、uh, community, the West in particular, and to pr- provide to give Philippines some leverage so that it would blackmail uh, Chinese uh, politically and diplomatically. That reminds of a Chinese、uh, saying that, like、uh, in in the case like Peng Fu,、uh, exactly meant to blackmail, to create problems, to blackmail uh, uh, China. And I think whatever the case. Uh, China uh, uh, has all the reasons, as、uh, political, I mean,、uh, legally, uh, uh, to、mm. uh, exercise to to take whatever means to protect the sovereignty and territorial integrity. But as as, as rightly as you rightly said, China has so far exercised utmost, const- I mean, restraints and patience, so that the tension. Would not not lose. I mean, the issue would not lose control.、Mm. This is, I think, also known to to the to the all and people to the country in the region.、Mm. So exactly following、uh, what you have elaborated earlier, I mean, the Renai Jiao issue has been over there for decades since at least the late 1990s. But why do you think, like you suggested earlier, why do you think the 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 government of the current Philippine?、Um, Administration has been attempting to shine a spotlight on this particular issue since, say, January this year. Yeah, I think the simple reason, or the primary reason, is is the the Marcos, I mean, Junior Marcos government wanted to create sort of uh, uh, tension so that they would gain not only domestic but more importantly, I think,、uh, inter- diplomatically, so that it would help. To pursue its、uh, relations to, cons- I mean, uh, uh, of the United uh, 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 in terms of relations with the United States, as you rightly said again, I think the Renai Jiao、uh, sort of a dispute, if I can say, was created、uh, purely, primarily because、uh, the Philippines intentionally grounded a warship, which again it promised to China, the Chinese side, officially that it would tow away. And for some reasons, it had never accept. I mean, 
implement that uh, uh, that pledges. But uh, but in the meantime, I think uh, the Philippines also uh, the previous government had not done. I mean, as the current government to create tension out of that. So the what changed is that the current administration, the Marcos administration. For its political and diplomatic agenda, wanted to have tension, wanted to create the problem、uh, for it to pursue its domestic and diplomatic means. That's the problem we are having.、Mm-hmm. And if the Philippines told our way, I mean the 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 the,、uh, the, the warships, and I think everything will be solved. The、mm-hmm. very reason I think the Philippines、uh, grounded that warship is wanted to create an. As new sta- status quo, that to consolidate the claim, this is something I think both illegal and I think against the uh, the uh, the uh, the promise, the pledge the Philippines has made it to the、mm. Chinese side. Yeah, some American media outlets uh, have uh, said that. Or have、um, you know operated with this kind of media title like Chinese aggression has pushed the Philippines closer to the United States? Do you think that's really the case? And by the way, how would you look at this、uh, U.S. behavior, this recent U.S. behavior of renewing a warning that that the United States would come to the defense of the Philippines in case of an armed attack? Well, I think there's no. Chinese aggression at all. Rather, I think it was the Philippines' aggression. The Philippines sort of,、uh, uh, I mean, the move that has been undermined uh, uh, the uh, Chinese territorial integrity and maritime issues. So this is, I think, very clear. The United States media,、uh, for the, the, I think, the purpose is very clear.、Uh, I, I would only argue that without the U.S. support,、uh, I. The Philippines, the the current government will not be able to create so much problem, and and secondly, I think the Renaijiao issue is a bilateral issue between、uh, China and the Philippines, and and it has nothing to do with the third party like the United States, and it is the United States to pursue its own political agenda, geopolitical、uh, agenda, to support I mean Philippines、uh, move Philippines. Uh, aggression against China, I, it create not only undermine I think the China's interest, but also cause problems,、uh, tensions that undermine the regional peace and stability. This is all known to all the countries in the region, and of course, U.S. What U.S. done and also very much goes against the, the norms and、uh, basic norms and the rules of international relations. And I think again, it is known to all. China has made it very clear. On the one hand, it will continue to pursue peaceful settlement through dialogue, and、uh, in the meantime, I think China、uh, also very much、uh, demonstrated that it is resolution and、uh, determination to maintain to safeguard its、uh, legitimate rights and interests, territorial integrity. I think United States. Uh, agenda, United States conspiracy, when we're doomed to fail.、Mm, okay, so Dr. Rong, we still have about like、uh, one minute or so before we need to finish this discussion with you today.、Uh, if we put aside this latest occurrence, the latest、uh, dispute, where do you think is the ultimate solution to this particular Renaijiao issue? I think the Renaijiao issue per se, and also other issues related to the South China Sea. It's been the solution is very clear. China has been working with all the the parties. I mean, di- directly concerned through bilateral means, dialogue and and talk. And in the meantime, I think China also pledged as working very closely with ASEAN as a whole、uh, through the peace and nego- through negotiation, and also, for example, to by implementing、uh, effectively the DOC and、uh, talk about the C- COC. So that the region as a whole will, 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 will I mean, will make the region a、uh, region for peace, for development, for cooperation and friendship. But unfortunately, I think the Philippines, no, I mean, but as a dam supported by the United States, it goes exactly the, the opposite trend. That is something I think、uh, we are opposed, and I think the the region again and the whole knows very well they are they are not supporting that. If we go along the right track. The, the situation will be was stable, and China and the Philippines have agreement before 
if these agreements implemented, there will be no issue like that. Mm. Thank you very much. As always, that was Dr. Rong Ying, Vice President and Senior Research Fellow with the China Institute of International Studies. You're listening to World Today. We'll be back. Hello, I am Dr. Digby James Wren, a political analyst and international relations scholar specializing in China area studies. World Today offers unmatched in-depth perspectives on China's politics, economics, business, technology, and society. World Today's team of reporters and contributors provides valuable information from all of the world's major economies. I hope you can join me on World Today for the very best insights and news from China on China and help to build a better understanding of China's role in the world today. Global financial institutions, including J.P. Morgan, Citigroup, and UBS, have raised their 2023 growth forecasts for China after the Chinese economy expanded at a faster-than-expected pace in the third quarter. China's GDP rose by 4.9 percent in the July to September period from a year earlier. Following that data release, Citigroup raised its China growth forecast for the second time in a month to 5.3 percent. In the meantime, J.P. Morgan is now expecting the Chinese economy to expand by 5.2 percent this year, while Morgan Stanley lifted its forecast to 5.1 percent. Now, for more, my colleague Zhao Yang spoke with Dr. Zhou Mei, senior research fellow with the Chinese Academy of International Trade and Economic Cooperation. So, global financial institutions, including J.P. Morgan, Citigroup, and UBS, they all raised their, you know, the growth forecast for China's economy this year. So, Dr. Zhou, how do you see it, and what are the main factors for them to raise China's economic forecast? We know these investment banks has a very clear and close look at the world economy. So, I mean, from this uh, uh, risk of the expectation, I think that they are really see that there are possibilities of China's economy to grow much quicker than the expected in the first half of this year. I think that there are so many reasons that they made these decisions, and among them, one of them is that China is provided a very certain stabilities for the. Investment and also for the trade. So actually, we know that、uh, both China, I mean the domestic market and the international market, are still in the pressure. Well, it is also the same in a lot of other countries. So in this balance environment, so I, I think these、uh, investment banks are trying to identify several of、uh, very bright spots for the development of China, and they really see the growth of the confidence of the Chinese consumers and. As well as、uh, enterprises, and I, I believe that is、uh, some of the reasons that they are trying to make the adjustment of the expectation of Chinese economy's growth.、Mm. And tell us about this year's internal and external environment for China's economy. What are the emerging growth drivers in the economy from your perspective? Yeah, we know that from the economic development, they are mainly on several reasons. Some of them are coming from the government actions, and some of them from the market actions. I, I would say that from the government actions, China's、uh, economy is trying to be、uh, driven by the development of uh, uh, different kind of new sectors, and at the same time. With a stable environment and new innovative ways of growth in the free trade zones and the free port, so for the market, I believe that the enterprises are picking up with their confidence after the COVID-19 of three years, and they are trying to re-establish the relationship with their customers and also some of other partners on the supply chains. Well, the consumers are also playing a even stronger position in the. Growth of the economy, and they are really want to expand their consumption, not only to buy something, but also trying to go somewhere to have a tourism, or they are going to study and pay、uh, and get a more educational uh, uh, training, or like this. So、uh, all of these three sectors and aspects are. Having more strength for the improvement of China's economy. If we are looking at the external factors, I would say that、uh, after the the third Belt and Road Summit, we see so many countries and regions are really interested in cooperating with China in developing their economies by the ways of cooperation in the infrastructure, in the soft envi- environment. So.
so these platforms are creating an even bigger cake for all of us. So I believe that all these factors are driving forces for the development of China's economy this year. And how important do you think is the digital economy and green transition for China's economy? I believe that they are the trends of the world. We have to look at the technology. If the technology has appeared, they will not disappear. So they can impact the economy in this way or another way. But any countries who want to hug for them could have a better opportunities. So I would say that China is really good at trying to welcome new ideas about how can we develop our economy by the technology improvement and also environment improvement. For the digital economy, there are so many Chinese enterprises are really insistent on doing that. So they are applying new technology in improving the efficiency while trying to integrate it with the original or traditional manufacturings. Well, for the green economy, it is a trend. Also, we see there are so many Chinese producers of the EVs and also some other solar panels and products, which are kind of driving forces even for China's export. So I believe that these technologies are still in emergence phase. We are still trying to cooperate with other countries by developing a better criterias or standards to improve or support the development of this technology, which is much hopeful for us to have a sustainable development in the future. And China has introduced a series of policies to expand the domestic demand and boost the market confidence in the third quarter, including cutting the reserve requirement ratio, uh, relaxing the property market curves, and so on. And it also covers taxation, business environment, and foreign capital. So how could they really help support the Real economy. I would say that uh, these are the you know the, the always uh, what Chinese governments are doing in the past. So we continuously trying to address the challenges or complaints from the investors and trying to reduce the barriers or the costs. In this regard, I would say that uh, there will be better facilitation for the investment investors and the companies who are doing the business. And at the same time, they may have uh, even more confidence in the development of the market uh, policies environment. So in this regard, I would say these new policies are still trying to further improve the facilitation. And uh, in the world, we see that there are so many uncertainties. So the companies, they are suffered a lot in the past several years, and they need to find more uh, impetus to develop and trying to have uh, better cooperation. So I believe this is much helpful for them to re-establish their uh, existence in China's economy. Mm. And private sector is quite important in China's economy. So what are some of the key challenges faced by China's uh, private sector at this moment? And what policy support do they need? Yeah, private sectors are uh, one of the uh, in the very important positions by Chinese government policies. So we improve uh, a lot of uh, uh, tools, like for the financing tools, like for uh, support for them to uh, ex- experiment or do some new innovative ways on the development. So uh, it is a really a big challenge for them in such an uncertain world. They were they were uh, faced by many protagonism and only a lot of uncertainty. So they need to try to balance the development and the ability of themselves. That is really uh, challenging. And another challenge I would see is that uh, when we're expanding our market connections, there are so many new markets. So this private sectors, they need to know about the differences of the cultures in other countries, and they have to address these differences. So we need to find out a better way to create a more friendly ecosystem for them to develop. And it is also crucial for us to provide more opportunities for them cooperation with the state-owned enterprises and other foreign investors in our better ecosystem. And for the external environment, what do you think are the main factors that will impact China's economy this and next year? The external is really important because China is opening wider and wider. So we have many connections with other countries, especially with the big apples. Like for the United States, you know, we started to have some talk as a mechanism to exchange our ideas on how can we support the development and make it recover better. I would say that maybe it's still too early to see that we have reached some kind of consensus, but it is really important if both countries can all 
cooperate? Well, it is still more challenging when we are trying to reconstruct the global supply chain and apply new ideas on the development of uh, the technology and trying to address uh, the, especially the poorest countries in the world and the uh, least developed countries and the small and medium-sized enterprises. So the world is facing uh, many challenges and uh, I believe the uncertainty is uh, one of the biggest one. So we need to try to make the market to be more confident on putting the money to gain our longer term of return. Dr. Zhou Mi with the Chinese Academy of International Trade and Economic Cooperation talking to my colleague Zhao Yang. You're listening to World Today. We'll be back. You are listening to World Today. I'm Ding Hani Beijing. Colombia President Gustavo Petro has embarked on a three-day state visit to China. He will meet with Chinese President Xi Jinping on Wednesday. China's foreign ministry says the two heads of state are going to hold talks to draw up a blueprint for the development of the bilateral ties in the new era. So joining us now on the line is Dr. Tim Anderson, Director of the Center for Counter-Hegemonic Studies, a Sydney-based think tank. Thank you very much for joining us. You're welcome. So in your observation, Doctor, why is President、um, Gustavo Petro seeking to strengthen ties with China? I think this is a natural trajectory. There's been a, a, quite a substantial expansion in China-Colombia、uh, relations, economic relations, in the last 20 years. But there's plenty of potential still there. I think also President Petro likes the idea of a stronger relationship with China as a type of counterbalance in the region, because, as you may know, Colombia has been、um, very much seen as a client state of the U.S. It has a number of U.S. military bases there. There's been a lot of conflict there as a result of that U.S.、Um, occupation, if you like, of, of of Colombia and its influence on the political system. So I think China's role as a A sound, reliable partner and a counterweight to U.S. investments, which have not always been well received by the population there.、Mm. So during Petro's visit, the two sides will reportedly discuss progress in terms of the building of a railway system in the Colombian capital city of Bogota. This is a project overseen by a Chinese company. Now, actually. Um, Colombia is yet to become an official partner in the China-initiated Belt and Road Initiative. So, why do you think China is interested in making investments in the country's infrastructure? Well, I think there's already、uh, quite an, apart from the Bogota、um, subway. I think there's a number of other infrastructure projects. So, Chinese companies are already quite involved there, and I suspect they want to raise the level, or the Chinese government wants to raise the level of. Of cooperation. Remember, also next door you have Venezuela, which is a strategic partner of China. Now, much broader、um, forms of cooperation have been agreed to over there, and the relationship between Venezuela and Colombia is something we can't ignore in that part of the world. Basically,、uh, China、mm. is、um, very much involved in、uh, importing minerals and oil from from both countries, and so. The question of infrastructure there is something that,、um, of course, while investment in public infrastructure might only deliver modest returns in terms of investment, nevertheless it smooths the way for the development of supply chain、uh, channels and, and goodwill for other investments and for trade.、Mm. And if we talk about the role of Venezuela, of course,、uh, one thing we cannot. Uh, forget is、uh, President Nicolas Maduro also paid a visit to China earlier this year. Now, actually, according to an April report by Colombia Risk Analysis, namely a a a Bogota-based、uh, consultancy, the response from the Colombian government, public, and various industries to the growing Chinese investment over there has been mostly positive.、Um, why do you think this is the case? I think the, the Colombian people see promise in Chinese investment in infrastructure, in particular, because it's something that's been neglected really in Colombia and in other surrounding states, and it's seen as a way of equalising some of the benefits of economic development. You know, there are neglected areas, rural areas, and and towns in the in the country which don't get the same benefits as the big cities, for example. So I think improved infrastructure across the country is seen as something that. 
going to provide some opportunities and and really opportunities that haven't been there before and mm-hmm. and not simply just in within the country too but perhaps international links because of course you recall that Venezuela is very strongly committed to integration regional integration in Latin America and Colombia has joined some of the big regional organizations that Venezuela initiated the UNASUR the CELAC for example even though there's been some political differences because of the strong influence of the US in Colombia so the question of international infrastructure and international integration is in the in the Latin American continent is an important one too mm. so China's foreign ministry has basically framed the uh, the Colombia China relations as pragmatic cooperation that has yielded fruitful results um so in your understanding this is one point actually you raised up uh, earlier in your uh, when you were addressing my first question but digging deeper into that in addition to say you know chinese investment in colombia or chinese involvement in 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 the country's uh, building of infrastructure networks what do you think are the areas that uh, the the two sides, the two countries, can strengthen their collaboration and coordination uh, as well in order to bring mutual benefits? Well, there is this expansion in recent times, as I said, of trade, and the principal ones that China is um, getting is the is the mineral and the oil there. If there's and there is uh, Chinese investment in in those areas too, in in oil, for example, just as the Chinese investment in the Orinoco Belt in um, or the Orinoco Basin in Venezuela is very important strategically for China. I think that Colombia, combined with Venezuela and perhaps linked in some ways, because there there is an opportunity now. There is there are much better relations with the with the current Colombian president between Colombia and, and Venezuela, mm. but it's been a delicate matter because of the history of Colombia. So I think if things are made to strengthen that cooperation and stabilize the relations between Colombia and Venezuela, if China can play an important facilitating role there, it will help consolidate those investments and and those trade relations. I think, and I think President Petro will certainly be. Uh, highly on top of of that issue,、mm. and of course, China's、um, previous track record in terms of refraining from、uh, meddling or intervening in other countries' internal affairs、um, gives China a good credit in terms of、uh, potentially mediating a deal between these two powers. That's for sure. But thank you very much for joining us. That was Dr. Tim Anderson, director of the Center for Counter Hegemonic Studies, a Sydney-based think tank. Unfortunately, that's all the time for this edition of World Today. To listen to this episode again or to catch up on our previous episodes, you can download our podcast by searching World Today. I'm Ding Hanin Beijing. Thank you so much for listening. Bye for now. <laughs>